Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Today, we're just chatting, which I know you love. We're going to talk about all the things. And my special guest today is my special friend, Warren Kenneth Carlisle V. The fourth. Well, it's a Roman numeral, and I'm not good at those. So there's four other, three other people with your exact same name. Yeah. The funny thing is that they were all doctors. For real? Yeah. What a disappointment you are. I know. I majored in classical saxophone performance, and they were like, what? You're doing what? That's what you majored in, yet you are the executive director of the world's largest octopus fan club, Octonation. Amongst other things. Correct. The The power of ADHD. And by the way, if now you're like super curious about why the octopus, why an octopus fan club, and how do you turn that into a business, we did a complete breakdown of it, a thorough interview on Build Your Tribe, and I'm going to link to that at the top of our show notes. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things today. This is an episode, especially for those of you who are easily distracted, but we're going to talk about like all the things. Like We're, we're just going to chat. So thanks for being here. Let's do this. So on Monday, I did an episode about ADHD medication, and the doctor, when I interviewed him, didn't have much to say about Stratera. He was just like, yeah, 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 no, no to Stratera kind of thing. Like, it just hasn't been effective, he thought, in the patients that he treats. And I didn't get to circle back and ask him additional questions. So obviously, you and I both have ADHD, and we both are believers that it's helped us tremendously. I take Adderall. You take Stratera. And so tell me about your experience with Stratera. So I hadn't taken anything my whole entire life. I think I've only been on Stratera for about six months, actually. Uh huh. When did you get your diagnosis? Um, got my diagnosis about four years ago. Okay. Yeah, so actually pretty recent. What made you get a diagnosis? Um, I wanted to do a whole lot more, and I felt like I couldn't. And so I went to go see... Um, what do you mean? Can you describe what that... What so, you I was already, so I was already doing a lot, right? So I, you know, work with my husband, Roberto, and we have a brand management agency. You know, he teaches corporate sponsorship. You know, I teach community building. You know, we have a mastermind. We have courses. We do speaking engagements. And yet for what I was doing with Octonation, you know, I was like, I want to do more, but I feel like something is keeping me from doing it. And it's me... But I'm not too sure like what the what the thing is. And I just wanted to talk to someone about it. What did it feel like? It felt like that is hard to explain. Um, but it felt like there was I had so many different competing thoughts and everything was priority number one. Like I, I didn't have like, you know, I didn't have um, like what you wrote on Facebook the other day. I was like, that is such a good description. I don't know if you want to pull it up or if you want to like summarize it basically. But I'm like, oh. This is such a description of what I feel like. Yeah, I was, I, somebody asked me, I was, we were just in our mastermind this past weekend in New York, and I talked a lot about my ADHD because we have three, three people in our mastermind who have it as well. And I was like, am I just like manifesting people with ADHD? <laughs> and so we, um, so I wrote this, I felt inspired and I've never written about my neurodivergence whatsoever on social media. And so I thought maybe this would help somebody. And I think that post has like over a hundred comments now of people being like, wow, I thought I was the only one. And yeah, it was just about this, this idea of, you know, most people who, if you're listening to this and you're neurotypical or, or maybe you can relate to this, but it was this whole idea of, you know, most people can talk and like listen to the person and like follow along on their story. Whereas I'm, I feel like I'm in a million different places at the same time. I'm like considering why they're telling me things in a certain, you know, sequence. Mm. I'm considering the underlying motivations for how they're positioning themselves and how and what their, you know, the nuances in their facial expressions as it relates to certain things they talk about. You know, I, you know, and I said, it's really hard for me to make eye contact with people because I feel like it's this bombardment of information and it makes me want to change what I say from sentence to sentence mm. and, you know, all of that. And I get overwhelmed really easily. Um, I take responsibility for a lot of people's feelings and all, just all these different things. And I was like, am I going crazy? Uh, and I think that kind of all built up and I felt like I needed support with that. Yeah, that is a really good description of how I would feel I would feel like I was in a thunderstorm like of 
thoughts mm-hmm. all happening at once. And they're, and I felt like every single one of these thoughts is so good. And they're, but they're all coming so fast, so fast. What do I, and I would feel like almost like paralyzed because I didn't know how to s- slow those thoughts down so that I could put them in an order so that I could make sure I didn't forget something so that I could. And that happens to me often when I'm hearing people talk. Either I'm thinking they're talking too slow. Why are they giving me all this information? When, wait, they just mentioned a street name when they were about to tell me the story. Do I need to do something with that street name? Is that street name going to come into play later? And that's why it's so it's so hard to explain that to someone who doesn't experience that. But if you do, you're like, oh my god, I get it. Like when I when you and I describe that to Brett or Roberto for that matter, they're just going to kind of laugh. It seems so foreign to someone whose brain doesn't work that way. And you know, we've talked a lot on the show about like you know what is going on in our brains that makes us feel that way and why that happens. It's not a habit. It's not. A personality trait it is a blood flow it's you know executive function it's whatever you want to call it but um it's interesting that i have always said this like i'm very very attracted to people with adhd which is why you are my best friend who owns a penis and you like the way i just yeah. qualified that because I, I have some you know some bitches in the audience yeah. i don't want them to get like all jealous and stuff because you know they're going to see this episode with my name on it and immediately listen absolutely. to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you do you have a lot of friends who have ADHD or te- tendencies to be easily distracted? Um, I do. Um, you have a lot of clients who have ADHD. Yeah, I have a lot of clients that have ADHD, um, and I feel like I can I completely understand how to harness their superpower because I have, you know, in this this last you know couple of years, and I find that the people who I want to work with now are. Are, are women that have ADHD and uh-huh. I find I find that they are just I mean they're brilliant and women are naturally I feel like they're naturally nurturers and I talked about this I was telling my mastermind and maybe you know those of you who are listening can see this but historically if you look at CEOs of companies they were men you know mm-hmm. and then in in HR you had typically a woman yes. who was running in HR and you know a lot of the reason why people came to work was because of the culture at their job. I know that I stayed in a lot of jobs because of my coworkers, and typically the people that were kind of like bringing us all together, it was a woman. Yep. And we were kind of like when the CEO came or corporate came, we were just like run, you know, we were all like running around. Um, and so I say that to say what I'm seeing nowadays is that women are 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 able to nurture these online communities at scale. And, and it's just really interesting to see them go from, you know, the positions that they were in or, or kind of forced in. And now like all these gatekeeping, you know, entities are gone and they're mm-hmm. able to rise and be put in really high positions of power mm-hmm. online. Look, I think one of the reasons why I am attracted to people who are easily distracted, like we had a photographer we hired recently to do a shoot. And I'm like, the reason why I like her energy is because... She is easily distracted and it makes a couple of reasons why I think I am this way because I feel like this person is not going to judge me. They're going to get me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bug them. I'm not going to annoy them. I'm not going to try to hide this. I'm not going to have to explain myself if I've interrupted and I'm trying not to. I'm not going to have to like I'm not I don't have to like overthink the way I don't have to overthink who I am mm-hmm. when I'm around them and I get to like geek out on the fact that we're shifting topics so quickly and that we you know get excited about weird things that we shouldn't maybe like have nothing to do with our business or I you know what I'm saying yeah and so I feel more comfortable around people who who are like that however like if I think about you and I going to take a vacation together we would have to invite Sierra because we might tailspin yeah Uh, and do nothing a hundred percent, which is why and everything and everything all at the same time. I mean, we'd have a lot of fun. I mean, and I think you know we would figure it out. Um, but yeah, I completely understand. I think that sometimes um, when I'm with someone who's got like really really bad ADHD, I, not that you actually know someone's degree of it, but I do step up and become more focused. And I'm like, okay, I I'm forced to be focused. Like I sometimes rely on Brett to do things that I, sh- I, I know I could learn to do. I know I, I'm capable of doing when he's not around me, 
You know what I mean? Like looking at the clock constantly. But when he's here, I know he's going to say, like right now, how many times a day has he told us? He's been giving us the countdown for dinner for about the last four hours. Right now, we he just, as we walked in, he's like, okay, you guys have two and a half more hours. No, yeah. two hours left. And I was like, we're not going to use two and a half hours. And it's just like, oh, well, we'll see. In two seconds, we will. Yeah. Earlier this week, we talked about um, what it feels like, because uh, an acquaintance of ours had a falling out with one of their friends. And, you know, we both have had falling out with friends before. Um, what are your thoughts on friendships that come to an end and you don't know really why? Have you had that happen? Yeah, I have had that happen, but I have also had a ton of therapy uh, and I am a firm believer in over communicating. And so I always feel like anybody that I've had anything with, I always have to close the loop. And that's one thing that everybody that knows me, mm. I always say there's an open loop. We need to close it like mm-hmm. in a conversation, even if it's something if somebody got cut off in a conversation, you know, two hours earlier, I'm like, hey, can you c- complete that thought that you had? Because mm. I'm still there. So I feel like that's a skill um, that I you guys have been hearing me say close the loop. I've started using that phrase from you because to me, I never think back on even what I'm saying and and think I need to close the loop for my listener. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like that's a skill. And so in, in, in relationships, when you have, you might not think that it's taking energy from you. Um, but if it's something that you revisit all the time, or if it's, you know, like a friendship or a name or somebody asks you about it and you haven't resolved it. And this might not be true for people. I don't, I don't know But for me. And if you're listening and you can relate to this, I revisit the people, you know, that I would revisit the people that I had any sort of problems with over and over again in my head and wonder and like throw up all these hypotheticals and it takes time away from me. And so what I typically do now is I will either text, I will resolve something. I'll just say, hey, I just want to, you know, let you know um, X, Y, Z and get an actual answer. But what if you don't? Because sometimes you don't. Well, are they dead? No, like they're just like, um, I don't know. I just need my space. Let's then I say. then I've done my then I've done my part. Okay. You know, I've I've closed but the loop at least for me. Closed the loop. Do it you does. really have any information? You no. Know, to me, I feel like it does, just because I've I've, I've I've like I did all that I could do. Whereas in the other circumstance, I hadn't done everything that I could do. I hadn't you know closed the loop for me. And so at least I've done my part in reaching out and saying, hey, like you know, I'm what's going on or blah 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 blah. Um, you asked me this week, you said, if you had a friend mm-hmm. who ended a friendship kind of suddenly over something that didn't seem like that big of a deal, um, would that send up my red flags in our friendship? Mm-hmm. And I said, nah, probably not. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a completely different response. Yeah, to what's that. your response? Uh, my response is I'm constantly listening listening to people and how they're positioning the end of their relationships because I don't make the like i don't think i'm a, a special snowflake in the, in in terms of like w- what is keeping them from doing the same thing to me mm-hmm. you know if somebody is you know either vindictive or they're telling you like giving you gossip about someone else i'm very aware i don't ever think okay well that's never going to be me because mm-hmm. also i'm in the middle of seven children right oh, so i have that ex- i have that experience too where it's like, you know, even in our house, you know, my mom to get us to do certain things would be like, you know, you're my favorite, <laughs> you know? It, really? Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, who else is she telling that to? Uh, oh. But, you know, even between all of my brothers and sisters, there's this this community dynamic between your brothers and sisters and things like that. And if people have the capacity to talk or speak a certain way, like you shouldn't feel as if you're immune to that sort of people lashing out on you the same way. Yeah. I agree with you a thousand percent. I guess my point was um, I, I store it away. I definitely store it away. It definitely, it's in the file. But I don't worry too much about it because it's like, well, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it won't be, I, I always say I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I know how I treat people. But anyone else who's a human, they're just unpredictable. Yeah. Like even the, like this Murdoch case, like, People thought they knew that dude so well, and they didn't. Also had to listen to that trial, you know, every single hour of it. Did you? You were on all of Emily's? Yeah, I was, I was on all of her stuff. Um, listen- so Emily D, shout out to Emily D. Baker, Emily D. Baker AD, uh, ADHD attorney at yes. law, who is like 
just blown up on YouTube. I've, I talked about her a bunch on the show during the, um, what was the first trial with Johnny Depp? Johnny and, Depp. Yeah. And what's her head? Amber. Amber Heard. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, you know, a lot of people tuned in to watch her commentary. She's a former LA prosecutor and also uh, works with Warren. So you, you would watch all of those kind of like let it play in the background or what? Yeah, because my kind of role too is, you know, as a community strategist, just kind of look to look and listen to all the comments that are, you know, people are making and also thinking of like, you know, what are some of these commemorative statements of each live? Um, it's like, you know, when you have 60,000, you know, live concurrent viewers, it's like this almost like this live and breathing organism that you're, you know, that you're keeping track of. And so I would listen to see, you know, what were people responding to? What was, you know, and honestly, I was learning too. You know, I'm kind of new to this whole entire world um, when it comes to, you know, the courtroom and things like that. But yeah, I listened to everything and to kind of go back to that, to who people thought he was and whatever. I mean, there's so many dynamics and nuances at play from, you know, the position of power his family ha- held for 100 years. And I, I genuinely think people just knew not to cross because it was such a small town. Mm. You know, this small town mentality, it's just like they they just knew not to cross that family. I mean, people around him ended up dead left and right. So Literally, why would you? Yeah. Dude. So make a, a bold prediction for me. What do you think? Like he spent millions and millions or embezzled, I guess we should say, millions and millions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not just on opiate use. You you know, opiate users, addicts, yeah, they spend a ton of money, but not millions. Where where What are we going to learn? That we haven't already. Yeah, I have no idea. You don't, you don't have a prediction. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of turned off. I've turned off my head. I'm just like they're gonna just let them do it. You know, sometimes when you're looking at like jurisdictions like this and how small it is, when you think of like the the larger ecosystem of the United States, we really are kind of like this fractured um, when it comes to like our laws and our counties and things like that. Yeah. So you. It's it really is like to try to universalize, you know, the mentality of people in small towns. And that's why my head kind of blows up with all these hypotheticals. What do you mean? When I say universalize, it's like you have all of these dynamics when it comes to family, when it comes to income, when it comes to, you know, people growing up. Like mm-hmm. the mindset of somebody that grows up in New York versus the mindset of somebody that grows up in, in rural. In the South, and they yeah. have guns all over it. Like they literally made it sound like they have guns everywhere yeah. <laughs> that were loaded. Like, there's one on the truck, and there's one on the golf cart, and there's one on top of the dog kennel, and there's one in the bathroom. And everybody who was like kind of watching in the comment section, what's, what's funny is that you got to see all this play out. Like, this is insane. Why mm-hmm. would they do that? And it's just like, you know, and Emily was actually uh, speaking to the subject where she was just like, you know, you have to understand this is why the jury is local because they're not going to they're not going to look at that yeah. and be like that's not out of the ordinary for this type of environment. Whereas us, you know, if we're on the jury, we're just like that is completely asinine. Like why would anybody have that many guns and this is ridiculous, but it's like normal life for them. So, it's true. Yeah, that's why you need a jury of your peers. Mm-hmm. Um so as someone who is easily distracted, we asked our spouses um what they thought people should know in here in like you know us having this conversation and your husband roberto suggested why don't you tell people like actually how how do you get things done so what's your process yeah so i was fortunately selected for this accelerator program uh, for facebook and one of the things uh, that they gifted us was an executive leadership coach Mm. um and so, I mean, prior to that, Facebook spends a ton of money. They do. They spend a ton of money. Um, but I was really grateful for that. Prior to that, I would tell people that everything was like priority number one in my head. Mm. And um, what the executive leadership coach helped me do was really effectively learn how to delegate. You know, and what, one of the things he kept saying was the answer to who doesn't always have to be you. Say um, that again. The answer to who doesn't always have to be you. And I was just under the assumption, and maybe this is my middle child syndrome or whatever, was this idea that nobody could have this final sign off or replace what I do at all. Mm -hmm. And that was my my mindset before. And it was like this very isolating mindset, which was just like, wow, this sucks. At the end of the day, I'm the one who has to do everything. Mm. And um, it just wasn't the case. And so um, slowly but surely, you know, he helped me kind of 
move into hiring a, uh, a blog manager and then hiring, I have like a team of science writers, uh, which gave me access into all of these like journals that I was pu- buying with my own money. So it was saving me money. And then with that money, I could, you know, license more media and photography for our website and for our social media. And then I brought on a creative director. Then I brought on a scientific advisor and we've really grown. Uh, That's huge. Yeah. But the average person can't do that or won't do it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think for an entrepreneur who wants to go to the next level, you just realize you have to do that at some point. Mm-hmm. And you just, you're like, I, I don't know who to hire first. I don't know how to hire. And I don't know where to hire. But I know I can't keep going and I'll lose myself. And, and so you, you just do it. Well, I actually have a system too for this. And um, it's something that I, I it was like a workshop that we did at our mastermind where I put need on one side of a sheet of paper and I put want on the other side of the paper. And I said, you know, make sure that you're listening to your thoughts. And I said, every single time in your head, your your brain tells you, oh, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. Write it down on the need side. And I was like, you know, and on the other side, the things that you want to do that you actually enjoy doing and nobody has to tell you to do it. And you mm. don't feel guilty for doing it because you just do those things. Write those things down. I said, that's going to be the first um way that people go about delegating things is is be like if if you feel like you need to do it you don't want to do it um i do all the things that as somebody with adhd i do all the things that i want to do in any given moment all the time if i want a cup of coffee i'm going to make that cup of coffee that's what i was just going to say so you know on the shaleen show like some of the audience is entrepreneurs some are not so i think that same for someone who's easily distracted that same practice could be put in place um, but it's a little different, right? Like, so when you are easily distracted, your brain wants to, wants to do the thing it wants to do, not always the thing you need to do. So you're a, a mom, you're a you know busy whatever, you're a busy college student, and you are easily distracted, and you have all these things you literally need to do. How would you today you know, because there are things you've delegated, right? But there's still things you need to, you personally have to do, Mm -hmm. even if you want to. But there's also things that you want to just um, go down a rabbit hole and do because it sounds more fun at the moment. And that's where I think a lot of us get in trouble. So how do you get things done? The things you need to get done. I mean, if we're being completely honest, I, you know, my my whole thing is waiting to the very last minute until there's like this panic-induced, you know, um, you know, yep. uh, feeling where it's just like, I don't know, I don't know where it's rooted in, but it's just like, it's, you just somehow I get it all done. Um, I mean, that's what I did all through school too. And yep. I used to feel really, really bad about it. Um, but I don't anymore, um, from the standpoint of like, that's just how I operate. And there were so many people that were just like, oh no, like your methodology or whatever is wrong. And this is whatever. I'm like, well, at the end of the day, you know, it's like I graduated, you know, close to top of my class. So you did. um, Yeah. And I was like, so in high school, in high school. Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the reasons why you probably skipped getting an ADHD diagnosis until later? Um, like probably, you. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, from the outside, and you excelled at music. Yeah, from the outside looking in, uh, I mean, it looked like I was getting everything done, but I was getting everything done at the last minute. I was staying up to like four or five o'clock in the morning the day before studying or taking an exam, or it probably, you know, wasn't healthy, but I made it work. So mm-hmm. you must have systems or even um, a way that you habitually go about your day that you know honors your energy and honors your focus and... Yeah, I actually do. And it was funny because I remember when you sent me the Push Journal for the first time, this is not a plug for your Push Journal, (laughs) but I was like, oh my gosh, this is how my brain works. I was just like, because I I would create um, these checklists Mm -hmm. and I would even put like this, like seriously, as far as like your push goals or whatever, I was like, this has to get done today to move this needle, like yeah. this goal. Yeah. And that's how I'd prioritize in my head, which would be like, okay, this is the number one thing. If you get nothing, I, all of these things on this list are important. And that's what I would convince myself. But if you get one thing done, then you can celebrate at the end of the day. And it's this thing that's going to move something that I want to do forward and not make me feel like a complete and total failure. Um, this is also not a plug for the push journal, but I haven't and I'm being honest, I, have, I haven't used mine in 
since we got to Florida. Oh, wow. So that'd be like almost two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Other than for note taking, I haven't used it in the, the traditional way that, in the way that when I use it, I feel so good and so accomplished at the end of the day. And I, f- and I think that's one of the reasons why I am, I feel these negative thoughts of disappointment about my workload. Right. And I'm also like struggling with this, like, am I on vacation or am I working? Because I'm in a vacation place, but we're not on vacation. And so, you know, when you're on vacation and you feel guilty that you're not actually enjoying where you are and you're actually spending, you know, time in your hotel room working, I feel, you know, that always made me feel guilty. And so my brain, I have to keep reminding myself, but you're not on vacation. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the things we talked about as far as, you know, me and Roberto travel all the time. And it's really easy to think that if you just because you're in a hotel room, you're on vacation. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fact of our lives is that we were traveling and we were speaking and we were in two different cities every week almost. And so, the, yeah, the fact of my life was that we were, you know, um, just in we were working uh, and it wasn't a vacation, even though we were in different cities. And that was really you know, honestly hard for me. But I had to come up with. Um, a system and that like in my head, the system was what is one thing that you can get done today where at the end of the day, you are not going to either resent yourself or beat yourself up like Mm -hmm. you've effectively moved something that you're working on forward. And I'd write that down as number one um, and make sure that 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 got achieved. And uh, and so, yeah, that's how I specifically did it. It sounds simple, but in the past, I've always like woke up, go work out, then get into work. Right. But here the gym is really busy first thing in the morning. So I'm wondering if I shouldn't, and I enjoy working out later in the afternoon when it's empty. So I'm, I'm, there's something about this situation that's telling me I should experiment with getting work done the first half of the day and going to the gym in the second half of the day, which is a weird flip-flop of my habits. But I feel like you do that, right? I do do that. But what uh, what I also do is I really respect, you know, I listen to my thoughts. So like if for whatever reason, you can't stop thinking about the fact that you haven't worked out yet and it's mm. every other thought, then that is too exhausting. Yeah. You can't do that. You're going to have yeah. to you're going to have to figure out you're going to have to push through the fact that it's busy. You're going to have to find a different gym. But if that's like what you typically do and it, you re- constantly revisit it then fix that. Okay. That's good advice. Yeah. You're welcome. Wow. You should be a coach or something. (laughs) Um, You you were going to ask me a question about you and Roberto staying with us. Yeah. Uh, And I believe middle child syndrome is a thing. You know, for those of you who are just like, that's not a thing. I mean, I have so much evidence. I I bring this up and I, I talked about birth order and things like that. And there's just some similarities between between us middle people. And it's just the desire to like make sure that I'm not imposing or make sure that I'm, you know, conscious. And, and so I said, I actually like outright, I said, with me and Roberto here, what did I say? I can't remember. I asked you said, you I want to ask you what you don't like about having Roberto and I. Yeah, I was like, like versus that. versus other guests. And I was just like, where do we either compare? You know, what could we essentially approve upon? Is there anything that like I haven't given you the space or the floor to like say, but I'm, I just want to open it up now because like oh. I could potentially fix it. Oh, really? And I was like, is it, or is it unfixable? Is it I just think it's like, unfixable. Okay, cool. Yeah, but you want me, I'll tell you. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, I'm always honest. Um, it is that I can I can go on crazy binge topics with somebody mm-hmm. and so it's tempting mm. like with Brett if, if I walk in the other room and I'm like okay I want to talk to you about the Murdoch trial and let's also talk about um, you know like just all these random things that are going through my head he will look at me like what are you doing right now or like why are why are you talking about that you know what I mean like and I also know he well, that actually that actually triggers me because I remember my mom uh, going up to my mom and t- talking to her about all these different things, and she would say, "Up oh, there's my space cadet," and I remember mm. that being like later on in therapy I worked that out, but learning about discounting and you know mm-hmm. what what were the phrases that you know wh- whereas you were like really excited and people kind of like they say things in a passive way and my, maybe my mom didn't mean it to be hurtful or whatever, yeah. but her calling me a space cadet made it feel like oh like. I'm 
like she doesn't want to talk to me about all these different things. Yeah, so maybe I labels. Yeah. Man. So anyways, it's not that it's a negative thing about you guys. Uh-huh. It's it's almost like for me, it's like a drug. He happened to mention therapy. I thought this would be a appropriate time to mention affordable therapy for you. Today's show sponsor is Talkspace. And it's a show sponsor that's really important to me because I think a lot of people are kind of freaked out about therapy. They don't know how to find a good therapist. They don't want to ask around because then people are like, is there something going on? Or they assume that there's something going on. So one of the easiest ways to basically afford a very qualified, private, personal therapist is by using Talkspace. It's super affordable. It has in-network coverage for most major insurance carriers. And as a listener of The Shaleen Show, you get $100 off your first month. When you go to Talkspace.com slash Shaleen, they will match you with a licensed therapist, like a, a therapist who you can pick based on like what it is you're struggling with. Maybe you just want someone to talk through your life plans, like you kind of need a life coach, or maybe you're struggling with an eating disorder or marital problems, like whatever it is, they have therapists who specialize in just about everything, 40 different specialties like anxiety, depression, I mean, substance abuse, you name it. So check it out. And when you do so, it supports the show. It's talkspace.com forward slash Shaleen. That's how you get $100 off. They also have an app. So you could go to the app store and download the Talkspace app. But don't forget to use code Shaleen to get your $100 off your first month. You're going to love it. And I want to hear back from you about your experience because that's how I value and vet the people who I promote here on the show. So your feedback is very important. I know I've talked about this app before. It's called Paired. I'm going to spell it P-A. I-R-E-D, Paired App. It's a relationship app. And before you're like, oh, that sounds cheesy. It's really actually quite fun, especially if you, especially if you're someone who hasn't had the ability or like you don't quite know how to have those deep connecting conversations, but it's not a funky, weird, like this is going to be awkward kind of thing. Like there's different quizzes where you have to answer it and your partner has to answer it because you both download the app, but you don't get to see their answer until you've answered. It's very interesting. I mean, basically five minutes a day, and I promise you this, you'll start to feel more connected. You'll have more knowledge about your partner, but in a way that's very approachable. It's not like awkward. It doesn't it's not going to make your partner feel like, what is this? And it will boost intimacy. You know, and when we have a stronger connection emotionally on an intimate level, then we're able to connect on a deeper level physically, you know, and sometimes that's what you need to fall in love again. So whether you're just a few dates in with your partner and you want to get to know them better, or maybe you've been married for 28 years, why not lighten up the mood, have some fun by using the Paired app. Go to Paired.com forward slash Pretty cool. They're going to give you a seven-day free trial. Also, you get 25% off when you sign up for a subscription. So again, it's spelled paired, P-A-I-R-E-D, paired.com forward slash lean. That's where you sign up. And it's just a very cool way to connect with your partner. All right, we're going to get right back to this conversation with Warren. I like having deep conversations. And I can have those for hours, which means I'm going to stay up later, which means I don't want to work. It means I don't want to... I want to be in the kitchen and I want to interrupt you. I see you're working at your computer and I want to interrupt you and have these deep conversations. But I really, I don't have the time. I haven't scheduled that time to do that because I've got, you know, got to get a workout in. We got to finish doing a podcast. I've got emails to review. I've got a sales page to look at, sponsors to return emails to, you know, all these things. So it's not a negative thing at all. You guys are absolutely wonderful guests. You're super duper thoughtful. Adult friendships. Let's talk about adult friendships for a second. Okay. You have a lot of friends, right? Would you say? I I wouldn't say that I have a lot of friends. Okay, tell me. I don't know. How many like friends do you have that you really feel close with? You know a lot about them. They know a lot about you, and it's mutually beneficial. I would say that, you know, and maybe people out there can relate that, but it's this... I can only keep track of because if I if I have too many people to keep track of, I mean, I literally think about my closest friends. It's like every fourth or fifth thought. I mean, it's it, and it's it's just how I'm built. It's like how my brain works, and I'm like curious about them. I think about you know ideas for them. I think about you know jokes that I want to tell them. Mm-hmm. I you know um, and and so if I have too many people kind of like 
in that like box, yeah. then it just exhausts me and I feel like I'm failing all of them. Yes. And so, so what, how many is too many for you? Like five, mm. five or six. Is a, the right amount. Yeah. Would you also agree that it kind of depends on what's like sometimes of that group of five friends, I think that's a good number. Um, there's sometimes one or two of them that have a lot going on mm-hmm. and you really feel like you need to be there for them or, and checking in on them more often or whatever it is, right? And so then you don't have room to add like a seventh or an eighth. Do you know what I mean? And I have this weird perspective too because I've been friends with people who, you know, would consider themselves celebrities or are celebrities and they're like, they're literally people just like us. You know, they, they get on TikTok, they scroll through TikTok and the idea that somebody's too busy, I just don't believe that. Like, you know, even if they're going and they're doing press tours or they're doing whatever in their daily life, I've mm-hmm. just never felt like, you know, people were so, were that insanely busy. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's always time to, to make for people that you genuinely care about. And if you're not at that level with somebody, then it's like reconsider your meaning or involvement in that person's life. Because I feel like people will make space for you if you click. And if you don't, it's like there's so many people on this planet. Yeah, I I have had encounters with people. It's like I can tell they're really trying to force that Mm -hmm. with me. And it's not that I don't have time. It's just I don't have that same kind of click. Yeah. You know, and I can't force it. I can't fake it. And um, I also think that it's weird to me, I should say. I find it bizarre can't relate to the people who are everyone is their best friend mm-hmm. and everyone and they're like, oh that's you know I know th- th- that's my good friend that's my good really how do you how do you know all these that's why I always say no new friends no new friends it's not because I don't like people it's it's because I do like people and so I don't want to give somebody not the attention that they just like I would I don't feel like I have enough quality time to give to the people who really do matter mm-hmm. so to add more people feels like a disservice to the people who are in my life who I don't have enough time for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mean, that's why I think that, you know, if, if you do have a personality or people really like the way that you break down information and, and things like that, that's why a podcast works out really well to like, so that you could have yeah. kind of all these friends and you can kind of facilitate these conversations uh, and, you know, break down, you know, break down things where people understand maybe that's your role in a lot of people's lives. And I know you listen to Patreon, which I, I really appreciate. And it's frankly, it's one of the reasons why you're at the top of my friend list. I think I text you like right after you upload an episode. Yeah, you give me all these inside jokes. It's pretty funny. You know, one of the things I've talked about there is like how we talked a, a lot about it on Patreon. It's like it just bugs me so much. I was calling them like these uh, kind of phony people who do this networking. But you know what it really is? I realized the other day it's social climbing and it's social media climbing. Because I was thinking about these people who do this like kind of fake, you know, they're influencers, they're thought leaders, motivational speakers, whatever you want to call them. And again, I run in those circles sometimes too. But what I don't do is I don't connect with people just because like, oh, they've got, they're the up and coming or they're the... No, I just think they have something valuable to say or whatever. But I find that a lot of people in whatever industry, pick one. It, this always, you know, this happens. They don't use people for their success. It's not about their wealth. It's about social media and popularity, which is really weird. And they've kind of, I mean, if you look at platforms, they really are engineered that way. Um, I mean, it's a huge dopamine hit if you, you know, interview someone or network with someone and you get that many more likes it's something that you don't think that you take into consideration but it has an impact on you like ooh, when i take a picture with this person i get this many more or when i do this i get this many more and i've even seen this on like in my what octonation does there's like you know um a group of photographers out in Hawaii that are like ripping octopuses out of their dens and throwing them on the water and then uh, taking videos of them on the way down and they go viral online because octopuses that are coming down the water column look aesthetically pleasing, but nobody knows that that animal is being harassed for that shot, right? Mm. And so um, I'm not sure how I'm relating this back to what you're saying, but it's this whole idea that the social media platforms, if those photographers are now like, ooh, that worked. So 
unfortunately, I'm going to continue to harass animals for like social media. And it's like, but from a more vanity way for other people, when they get that dopamine hit of, wow, when I do this, I get this. Sometimes it rewards negative behavior and vanity, I think, is like rewarding a negative type of behavior. And you can fall prey to that. And we were talking about earlier, like why you choose to work with people Uh and or why you choose not to work with people. And to me, if they don't have like a clearly defined like impact that they're going for or they don't have their own fight that they're fighting, like somebody asked me the other day, they're like, how are you friends with Shalene Johnson and Brooke Castillo and April Franks and like all of these powerful, you know, women in business? And I said, because I view them as peers, like I, I feel as if I have my own community, which is I'm, you know, the octo king of my my community and they have their thing you know mm-hmm. uh, they have they're meant to transform the lives of the people they're meant to transform mm-hmm. and i was like why would i think of them any differently and they're mm-hmm. like well like they're just and i was just like no i think that's maybe where we're different is like i view like i'm meant to transform the lives of the people that i'm meant to transform i don't feel mm-hmm. like i have the capacity to to go into your community and transform the like maybe we both can we both can have an impact but i'm kind of in my lane i'm doing my own thing and so so if i'm working if i'm like with somebody or working with someone and they don't have their own thing and their thing like whatever like i'm doing they're like oh yeah i'm gonna do that now i'm just like okay well you're obviously just trying to jump onto my thing it's like oh i want to teach instagram now yeah like like, uh like they, they just jump on to whatever you're doing and that's not a healthy thing i'm like okay but what's your thing yeah yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah i when someone will say to me like i'm gonna be the next chalene johnson i'm like ew why would you want to do that like no do you be the next you don't you know what i mean yeah and you and you have your own life experiences you know um like there's so many different groups online like and even at your at mia at your conference i talked about this one group called Mama Dragons, and it's specifically women who are who are Latter-day Saint, and they have a child who's LGBTQ, oh. right? And I'm just like, so there's a group of, you know, women or whatever, that that's their impact, or that's the thing that they want to do. And so it's like, what is your thing? You know, what, like, what are your life experiences? And like, I don't know. So it's like, you really have to figure out like what you're about. And so I, f- I feel like if, if somebody is not in tune with that, then they end up just kind of like latching on. And, and just wanting to do whatever you're doing. And I feel like that's... I'm going to let you be honest. I think you have got really, really good radar. It's probably more in tune than most. Do you think my radar's off? Radar's off with what? People. Yeah. Does it need fine-tuning? I would. And I think we, we talked about this too. And you talked about it on an earlier podcast about the ACE score, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, I had mentioned uh, that I was 10 out of 10. I don't, I don't feel ashamed saying that. You do? I don't. Oh, okay. No. Good. Um, like I said, I've been through a lot of therapy, um, and so I can you give them a brief summary of the ACE score? Yeah, it's just ad- your adverse childhood experiences. Um, you know, one of them is like, have you had a family member that's like gone to prison? Have you had a family member who has like molested you? Have you ever had a family member who like you know all these different things that that you should be in all a- the tip? Not I don't want to say typical, but like the most common big childhood traumas. Yeah, the ones that like can change your biochemistry yeah it's like were you hit you know were you like um you know left for you know yeah Mm -hmm. neglected just all these different things and uh you know the other day when you had told me that what what was yours like you said one like a zero like a zero zero. and i was just like i think you know with that i think people who have you know have had traumatic traumatic experiences and have gotten to the other side of it they have this perspective because they've had to be like cunning as a child because they're like, okay, what can I tell my mom so that she can X, Y, Z? Or what do I have to tell my dad so that he won't hit me? Survival. Yeah, it's very much survival. And so I think with that, there's this, if you, when you come out the other side or if you, you know, choose to get help to, to kind of work through those things, you can utilize that trauma that you had as like a, a superpower that just mm. no one could potentially have because they're not going to have had that perspective. Wow. And I feel like when it comes to being a judge of character, people that have had, have suffered, you know, extreme trauma as, as a child and had to work through that, like I said, are just equipped in, in different ways. So when you walk into a room, how, how quickly do you make an assessment if someone's, I don't want to say good person, but like, okay, I can trust them. Hmm. Is that the word that goes in your head? Or do you, do you just quickly go to good, bad? 
good guy, bad guy? You know, there's a lot. And that's why I said uh, it's really hard for me to make eye contact with people when I'm talking is because, uh, you know, there's a lot that's going on. There's a lot of information. And there's a book that I, I recommended uh, to Shalene Reed to kind of like understand me um, was called Games People Play. Uh, it's by Dr. Eric Byrne. And it's all about transactions. I feel like a bad friend because friend because I don't remember you recommending that. And really? I didn't download it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm opening up Audible right now. Uh, it's, it's a kind of a hard read only because it is kind of, you know, uh, academic almost. Uh, but I remember it's one of the first books that one of the people that changed my life recommended me and it really helped me understand, you know, how to make sense of all the crazy data that was coming into my brain. Like I was like, I wasn't aware it was almost blinding when I would look at somebody and all of the information that was coming in and how I wanted to change everything that I was saying based on the facial expressions they were making and how they were responding to each sentence I was making. I just would, would be like, okay, did they like that? Did they not like that? Who do I need to be? Like, it was just, it was insane. But transactional analysis, um, really just kind of taught me how to take that information in and kind of assess, okay, what game is being played here? Do you make a quick, like good, bad judgment on people like I feel like some for example we were in an environment where um how do I say this without giving away too much information there was uh, an interaction with Brett and another person we had just met and it was a really awkward weird kind of conversation and I was looking at Brett and I was looking at her and I was looking at you and I could pick up from your body language that you weren't a fan of this person how long do you need to hear someone talk or to experience a person before you start to make, in your mind, are people bad until they prove themselves good? Or in your mind, are people good until they prove themselves bad? Just be honest. Yeah, I, there's a lot of gray here. There's, it's not a black and white thing, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because it just, it really depends. Um, it was kind of the way the person was sitting in their chair. Um, there was... As, as, you know, Brett was talking, it was, you know, there's a lot that's going on. Like I said, when it comes to body language and, and over time, it doesn't take me but like, I would say like 30 seconds to a minute to be like, is this person listening? Are they waiting to respond? Are they, there's like so many different data points. And then you just kind of make a decision. You're like, okay, is this person even worth the time and getting to know? Or, you know, should we move this along and get you and, and Brett out of there? And I think a, where a lot of this came from is I was a... Um, uh, a studio manager for a celebrity fashion photographer and we went to a lot of different events and parties together and he had to spend time with a lot of different people and so it was kind of like figuring out in these 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 hyper networking events did he need to be in this situation anymore or did he need to be moved to the next person did he oh. need to be moved to the next person and uh, I think I excelled in that arena because I was just like taking in all that information I was like okay, nothing's going to happen here okay let's move on to the next that's emotional IQ too yeah um, I'm, I'd be curious from the audience, so I'd love for you guys to just drop a comment either in Patreon or, or the Pod Squad, and, and try to be as honest as possible. Because I think we all would love to say, I'm very neutral when I meet people. You know, I let people, you know, their actions speak for themselves. But if you're being really, really honest, which way do you kind of lean more towards? Like, I can't trust this person until they prove to me that I can trust them? Or are you one of those people that, like, everyone is good, even though the guy is carrying a bloody knife and a body bag, he's probably a really good person? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think we lean one way or the other. I know Brett and I have talked about this. People are good in my eyes to a fault, even when I'm seeing all the bad signs, I'm like, well, but that could be excused by this, 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 and this. And for, for Brett, it's the opposite. Brett's like, people are, I don't trust them until they prove to me that I, that I can. And I have tips on how to kind of increase your, uh, your ability to read people better. Uh, it's, it's by asking them. It's by saying, hey, mm-hmm. I'm getting this feeling. You know, I just want to check in and see if I'm correct in this assumption, if I'm correct. So so I've just met somebody and they're having a, like you've just introduced me to one of your friends Mm -hmm. and I'm making judgments on on them. And in my head, something pops up like something, something doesn't add up here. You're suggesting that I would actually say. (laughs) No, I I mean, you have to practice discernment. And so if you don't, I think naturally have this ability, I would practice with people that you know first and that you feel close to before venturing outside of your bubble to just kind of like make an ass of yourself. Yeah. But um, (laughs) 
so yeah, I would start around with the people that you know and just check in. Um, and who, who actually taught me this was my mom. She said, you know, she asked me, are you being focus group of one? Which meant to her, like, are you only consulting yourself in this decision? Or have you, have you asked somebody? Have you asked your brother? I got, just got really good with, you know, asking people, hey, I feel like you're uncomfortable. You were uncomfortable when so-and-so asked you this question. I just want to, you know, close the loop in my head and, and make sure that you, like, you either understood where this person was coming from or do you need clarification. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it could be two other people talking and I know that something that this person's saying, this person doesn't understand, but they won't say it. And so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll kind of butt oh, yeah, in. Sure, no, I'll kind of butt in and I'll say, hey, like... Um, just because it's almost painful for me to be in a room where I can tell this person doesn't get it and yet they won't speak up for themselves. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, let me be that person. Yeah. Um, and Which is a delicate thing to do because you're finding a um, tactful way of saying like, let's make sure this makes sense for you without them feeling like, do you understand? Yeah. And so you have to kind of, like I said, you can increase your level of, you know, I would say intuition almost by checking in. There's been some times, you know, where I've been like completely, you know, off base, but through checking in over and over and over again, you improve it. And at the end of it, like I said, you can start, it's weird, but you can almost like start reading people's thoughts. And I, I remember you do. Yeah. And I remember like sometimes I'll like finish people's sentences before they, they say them. And it's only because like, I know that person so well, I already know their like line of reasoning, uh, how they question people, how they inform their decision making. And I'm like, I already know where this person is going. I'm already like five sentences ahead. So it's almost like chat GPT, but in your brain. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. Well, that was super fun. But now we have to wrap it up and say goodbye. Before we do, don't forget, I love you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash the Shaleen Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. 